Welcome to the Legendarium. Sorry to ruin your Black Panther party. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent reference. Nice That's pull. A plus reference. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast, episode number 155. Five. 155. Today, we are talking about Thor, Ragnarok, and Stranger Things 2. Now, I know what you're saying uh, to your car stereo right now. Why aren't you talking about Towers of Midnight? Well, frankly, stuff keeps getting in the way. For instance, I haven't finished the book. That's one thing that's getting in the way. Uh, but then also, uh, we have things that are coming out we want to talk about thor and stranger things just if you're upset now wait until december when star wars comes out and you want us to be doing a memory of light yeah yeah uh <laughs> anyway so I, I should introduce myself my name is craig hanks and i am your lovely host and over there if foot hair were currency he'd be a very very wealthy man it's ryan bruckman and like a miserly scrooge i keep it all for myself <laughs> <laughs> no shirt no shoes no hygiene no problem for kyle lemon and no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, and he's as useless as pickled herring at a cocktail party. It's Adam Palcher. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, he's <laughs> a, Adam is the host of A Damn Movie Podcast, yes. uh, which is the cleverly titled podcast. Uh, it's it's a damn movie podcast because it's hosted by two Adams. Yeah, I, it's, it's not a, that clever, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, it was it's honestly, funnier when you explain it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It definitely is. Honestly, it was one of these things where we really wanted to do a podcast, and we hit. We were trying to think of a name, and we put up a thread up on this old website called The Rock Salt, and we said, someone give us names. And uh, we just picked one of them, and that's the one we went with, and that's it awesome. stuck. So, there you go. Um, it is what it is. Uh, it's definitely not as clever as we try and make it sound, though. <laughs> Little behind now, the scenes, the Legendarium was almost the Stick Wars podcast. <laughs> Stick Wars. I, Stick Wars. That was the game we used to play when we, uh, Ryan and I would just beat the ever-living bejeebers out of each other <laughs> as teenagers. Yeah, we decided an inside joke wasn't a good title for the podcast. <laughs> for sure. I get it. Um, anyway, so uh, Adam actually runs what may be the oldest podcast in the state of Utah. That's true. I, uh, oh. We've been doing it for over 10 years now. I think we released our first episode, I want to say it was like March 2007. Good. So yeah, it's Gordon. been a while. Almost We used to years. do it weekly. It's not as much because uh, life gets in the way, like, yes. you, uh, like you mentioned. Um, so it's more kind of a bi-monthly, but uh, it's really based purely around movies, matching two movies up and then doing a, a third segment, whether it's a top five or a or a kind of a latest news kind of yeah. thing. I don't know. We have a lot of different things that we go you over. Guys, you guys rank stuff? We love to rank stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, what? ranking stuff's We're the best. We're all about ranking We're things. We're good at that too, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so welcome, Adam. Thank you. And I hope everybody will go check out A Damn Movie Podcast if you like movies and uh, Damnation. Uh, so yes, definitely damnation. Is that what you call your followers? Damnation. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. good. I like that. You're welcome. Oh that yeah. Good. <laughs> um, a damnation. There you go. <laughs> yes. Now, before we get to the subjects at hand, I'll just remind everybody: go to Patreon.com/slash/Legendarium and support the show there on an ongoing basis. We got a couple of very, very generous uh, patrons this week, so thank you to the newcomers. Uh, and if you want to support the construction of the studio that's going up uh, you can go to our gofundme page i'm going to leave that one up for a little while it originally was just going to go through october but it turns out this thing is a friggin beast and i'm going to be building it for a little while longer so you have some more time to support that and i really would greatly appreciate that you can ask uh anybody in this room you guys have all seen this this thing is uh, it's going to be great but it is a bit of a beast yeah it's a beast so uh, so it needs your help. Anyway, last thing, Reddit, uh, thelegendarium.reddit.com is where you can go join the conversation. And also go like us on Facebook because, and I know I said this a while ago, but we're almost to 1,000 followers. We're at 991 on Facebook. And I just, I, I, I sometimes go try to like buy likes. You can, you can promote your page and it'll send it to people and they'll like your page. That feels like buying likes to me and I don't want to do it. So share it with your friends. If you haven't liked it, go like it and uh, help us get to a thousand. And when we do, we'll throw a big party. Um, Just don't do an automated reply. Did you see what happened to the, uh, I think it was the Patriots? Uh, no. 
they said an automated reply for their thousand for their millionth Twitter follower, and the Twitter handle was at I hate N word. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Ooh! Oh. Yeah. Yikes! Don't do that. That is that is delicious. Um, Someone was sitting there nine ninety eight nine ninety nine now. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, I feel like we've spun our wheels for long enough. Five minutes is quite a long time. So let's talk about. Uh, Thor and Stranger Things 2. First thing up is Thor because uh, we've all seen this one uh, as opposed to Stranger Things. So let's talk about Thor. I just went and saw it last night. Um, you guys probably have similar stories, maybe today. Um, but we've all seen it, yes? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So Thor Ragnarok is, well, well, it was a moving picture show. Interesting. I, yeah. <laughs> I I have a lot of thoughts about it, uh, but I want to kick it to somebody else because I, I tend to get really cynical and complainy. What? Uh, I have... <laughs> no. I On have, this podcast? There were a Never. lot of... There, listen, there were a lot of things about <laughs> Thor that I liked, and I and so I want one of you guys to say those things so I can riff on that, uh, but I, I'm tempted to just start into like, oh, this sucked, or whatever. So I don't want to do that. Um, Kyle, I'm kicking it to you first. Thor, what'd you think? Um, he finally actually becomes the god of thunder, which was sweet. <laughs> that was definitely sweet. So he was like Raiden, man. It was so yeah. cool. Uh, did you, yeah, that was definitely an homage, yes. I think so. There's, I mean, that's a, what it felt like. At, oh, and I should say, okay, spoilers, everybody, for Thor. I mean, so. he dis- doesn't channel lightning. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the trailer. You're fine. Yeah. Anyway, no, but there's a certain point when he uh, he channels his lightning and then he does like a spin move attack. Oh, yeah. Totally. That, that, totally that's Raiden. Raiden, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So as long as I'm not the only one. I just wanted the techno Mortal Kombat to come on right after Led Zeppelin. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got, you know, immigrant song playing and then all of a sudden, Mortal Kombat. Finish him. Yeah. yeah. It'd yeah. be fantastic. <laughs> So, thank you for that insightful and enlightening commentary, You're Kyle. welcome. Uh, Adam. Yes. Why don't you take a stab at some insightful and enlightening commentary? Um, the, I love the movie. I thought it was probably the best Thor movie yet. Um, I thought it was hilarious. The director, uh, let me get his name right. Uh, Taika uh, Watiti. Taika Watiti. Uh, if you've never seen any of his past films before, I highly recommend it. He has uh, What We Do in the Shadows which is a vampire documentary, uh, mockumentary, I should say, but it is hilarious. He's he's friends with the Flight of the Concord guys, but they have always had this dry sense of humor, and I thought he incorporated it really well into uh, into the Marvel universe. I thought it was a necessary uh, evil for for Marvel to get funnier, right? I think it needs to have a comedy director direct things every once in a while, right? And um, I love I love his past movies, so I was excited to see it and. Me and my whole family, we we uh, laughed our butts off. It was uh, uh, it, it's that dry self uh, mm-hmm. self referential type of humor that everyone does, right? Yeah. Um, and and I, I think it really worked here. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, and I thought it was a nice addition to the Thor story. It was when in- I couldn't really tell you very much about the second one. I can't remember much well, about the it. Thing liking, is, but- you, you said you said it, it was the best. Thor movie so far and I'm like oh congratulations you're the <laughs> tallest building in Wichita <laughs> like like that's not that hard now that being said I actually I didn't mind either the Thor movies I definitely thought the yeah, first yeah. one was better than the yeah. second one Same but they here. were they were fine mm-hmm. uh, and so I but uh, this was uh, the most I've laughed in the theater for a long time at any movie not just a, a Marvel movie but yeah. at any movie so Ryan what do you think so first off I'm going to riff a little bit on what, what uh, Adam was saying I, I appreciated Marvel did something with this that they haven't done with other directors in the past, and I hope they continue to do it a little bit, mm-hmm. is because this director, if you saw any of the one-shots that they did with Thor where it was Team Thor, mm-hmm. back when Civil War was being promoted, and then they had Cap Team, Cap Team, Iron Man, he directed all the Team Thor ones, which was him with his roommate, and yeah. they, they were hilarious. And it gave us a chance to have a little bit of a transition in, into this Thor that's not just all god are you, are you talking about uh, by doing those little one shots by having by having this director if they're since they were changing the tone so much of this one which is the one thing about this i will say is that i agree it was the most enjoyable thor movie but it is also the least fitting of the thor trilogy in terms of tone that they because the first two carried us at least a similar tone mm-hmm. the third one they said those didn't work Try something different. It's true, and I had a lot of people who hadn't seen the movie. I got to see it on Monday, and I was telling people, oh, go see it. It's great. 
And uh, a lot of people were asking me about the tone specifically and saying, is it more like Guardians of the Galaxy because it's a little more in space this time? Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to different planets, seeing different characters. And and I didn't really feel that it was more more like Guardians. I thought it had its own thing. It it wasn't as 80s as they were trying to make it look in the trailer, I guess. I don't know. It was uh, that the marketing material was more Guardians than the movie was. Yes, that's, However, that's yeah. I, definitely, if if there were a continuum and the continuum was like Guardians of the Galaxy on one side and Schindler's List on the other, this was definitely more <laughs> toward Guardians of the Galaxy yes. than not. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I will definitely put on the side of, if I'm trying to explain to someone this one and use a comparison that they'll be used to, I would use Guardians of the Galaxy because it is the closest Marvel movie to what we have. Mm-hmm. Because the next closest would be Spider-Man Homecoming, and that one is more of a coming-of-age story. This is not that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the coming of lightning. Coming of lightning, yes. Which sounds but filthy dirty. I think, uh, I think this is the first time, if we've seen something that Marvel has started to do a little bit more, is they've been taking their movies and they make a genre movie. So Captain America is a war movie. Ant-Man is a heist movie. Mm-hmm. We do all that. This is the first time that they openly Deadpool. just said, this one is comedy. In terms of the the MCU, very, I should say, family-friendly MCU there, because Deadpool it was kind of its own, it's still its own little satellite piece. Mm-hmm. Great film. But it's them it, taking a risk, though, right? Yeah. And, and using their name for good, almost, and doing something off-brand, off-page. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy wasn't even a very popular comic book, but once it came out with the movie it became this huge other huge entity that they just had sitting on the shelf and see what it is now i mean it's a it's a huge franchise and you know what i oh sorry go there's ahead. and there's something about that the um a lot of people i've heard people complain about like uh when are comic book movies going to end when are we going to get out of who the hero appeared or whatever and this i hate sh- heroes heroism is stupid i for me this is a, a chance to showcase that even though we're using comic book source material we're still doing different types of movies. Eventually, we're, I'm sure, maybe Squirrel Girl setup is going to be a rom-com or whatever we got. You know, we're going to get yeah, those different I'm waiting pieces. for She-Hulk, personally. But. <laughs> Shouldn't it just be Shulk? Because <laughs> that's, that's the thing is, in order for this to maintain a long-term life, I mean, there's always the new source material. They can always reboot and things like that. But to maintain a, and make it worthwhile, we need to showcase that it can fit different genres. It's like, um, Brandon Sanderson teaches in one of his writing classes that the reason he writes fantasy is because you can do everything in every other genre, mm-hmm. but you can have dragons. <laughs> like that's why fantasy is so great. Well, and this is almost a buddy comedy a little bit between Thor and Hulk. It has mm-hmm. some of those elements. Yeah, because it's very much Ragnarok and Planet Hulk mashed into one because they can't make Planet Hulk on its own because of rights and things like that. Well, and so. also because Hulk is the worst superhero ever. On no. His, on his own. No. On his own. No, he had a whole TV it would be, series. It would be very hard to take the Hulk in the MCU iteration right now and do a standalone movie with that Hulk. What, you could do Hulk yeah. as a standalone, but the problem is, and they really they, they they laid their cards out on the table with Hulk in this one by saying this Hulk acted like a three year old because he's three mm-hmm. years old. And I, I don't, I, I never really minded. I, this may be blasphemy, blasphemy to some people, but I didn't really mind the Ed Norton Hulk movie. I thought yeah, it was pretty I actually, good. I actually liked it. You know what I would really love to see? Kind of talking on what Ryan was saying, that they're doing different types of movies within the superhero genre, is I would love to see somebody take Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk and make like a psychological thriller out of it, where he, like the whole thing is him oh, yeah. back and forth between being full-on Hulk and and Bruce Banner and making it more of a darker yeah depressing like kind of Gollum like Gollum psycho thriller yeah not even Gollum but like more of like I wonder oh if- you see some of those serial killer movies where they're like struggling with like what like these urges and things that they have and, and making it more of a psycho thriller I wonder if they could do that it would have to be timeline wise it would be a step back into just after his origin story mm-hmm. but before he gets found for the avengers mm-hmm. you would have to be inside that time frame to make that sort of thing work i think because otherwise banners they're familiar enough with each other that it would be hard to to give the thriller concept of yeah where is this coming from and yeah. stuff like that so anyway but he is murdering people lots well of people. there is that <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh welcome to the theater <laughs> That's what happens in cinema. Thank you very much. I need my murder count for the day. Um, I I want to also talk about the performances in the movie. 
and uh, what you thought landed and what you thought didn't. Uh, now, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, the rock dude in the prison, kind of the gladiator rock guy, Cork. that was the director. Yeah, that's right? yeah, that's him. Okay, it is. Okay, yeah. uh, okay. I'm not. I kept mistaken. hearing Reese Darby, and I thought that's who I kept thinking it was as well. Was because they are pals and they work together. So. Yeah. Um, I, I assumed it was him, but uh, Watiti usually he's an actor in all of his other movies, so okay. I assume it, it's him though. It, <laughs> definitely great performance. Yeah, he was he was definitely funny. I I thought that he wrote in a few too many jokes for himself, <laughs> and at least one was at kind of an inopportune moment when I was like, oh, you could have just let that go. That at the end. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I yeah. agree. Yeah, but anyway, but yeah, he was very funny. But uh, what do we think of Chris Hemsworth? How is he doing? I mean, I was I obvious, was really obvious, surprised. Uh, assets yeah. left left behind. Assets. Yes. Yeah. He has great moves. <laughs> um, I thought he did a really good job with the comedy genre. Yeah. From what I understand, a lot of the dialogue was like ad libbed or just like kind of off. There the was cuff. a lot of improvised improv- so improvisation on set. That's the word I'm looking for because that's the word. <laughs> yeah, right off the bat too, Rooney's hanging there and it keeps turning around See, slowly. And I was gonna say like, yeah, that was hilarious. But like the first maybe five minutes, because we talked about tone a little bit earlier, and the tone just hits you in the face with like the very first scene, mm-hmm. and it's so different from the other Thor movies. Like you go in kind of expecting it to be because of the trailer, but for me it was a little bit jarring. And I had it took me about five or ten minutes to like get into it and be like, okay, now I'm on board with this new tone and this new direction. But at first, I was kind of like, I don't know about this. But I think I mean I think that they pulled it off for sure. But Hemsworth uh, did a really good job. I think carrying a lot of the the comedic weight. Comedic weight, and he was uh, the only thing that people had good things to say about in the Ghostbusters remake. The only the only for that reason the only <laughs> character I think felt that felt too off because like it is a dra- drastic shift in tone whatever but it was all of it was believable to me because of the short uh clips like ryan was talking about with him and his roommate and stuff like which that which i never watched but the one so the funny. one character that just felt wrong was loki i don't think that loki's character because he was he's supposed to be this like sinister brother wanting to take over everything and to have him be a little bit more playful didn't feel right to me now i love tom hiddleston but it felt a little off it did seem like his character pretty easily switched over right Mm -hmm. he's like okay i'll help you now Mm -hmm. um and there wasn't a ton of motivation behind it so i totally agree with that i do like seeing him be playful though yeah i think i think that the scenes where he was playful like they work and all the jokes landed and stuff but if we want to talk about like overall continuity it, this movie kind of throws it all out the window which is fine if you're if you're on board with that if you're looking for more continuity uh not the movie it's for this, you this is a very hard movie to try and carry the emotional weight of the brother relationship that they had in the first two like mm-hmm. the betrayals the you've died everything i mean i thought it was really funny how they pretty much wrapped up him Thor re- discovering that he had replaced Odin and everything. It was like, oh, that's that's a funny bit. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I loved seeing, who was it? It was Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a great cameo. <laughs> like, I, I loved all that, but at the same time, I was like, man, you kind of took all the work you did in making this an emotional piece and just took the feet out right from under it mm-hmm. with it. Because I, I agree, Loki was the part that felt the least... It was the character that had the least connection to this film. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like we got to bring him on because he's part of the franchise, and mm-hmm. and people love Tom Hiddleston, and we do. And he and sure. he does, and he did great with what he had there. But there wasn't a whole lot for a lot of character-driven arc moments for Loki to be at the end. You know, when he throws the thing at him and he catches it, and he's like, "Oh, I'm here." You know, I'd hug you if you were here, and he throws it and he catches it. I'm like, because you had one conversation in an elevator you, that he threw you out, and after. you know that you know that he's got the tesseract in his pocket. When, oh, he was, yeah. when he was going down to get that right, right at the end, devil tiara thing, whatever that was. What did you guys think of Kate Blanchett as the first female villain? Okay, here we go in the Marvel oh, universe. No. We, here we, we go. are opening a can of worms. Okay, here. that's why well, we hadn't really heard Craig's thoughts yet. So I, I thought I'd I kick believe it off. I believe it's episode eight of our podcast. If you want to go back, it is actually titled "Craig Loves Kate Blanchett," <laughs> and I do. I love Kate Blanchett. And uh, I think she's like 49 years old, and I don't care. She is the sexiest woman alive. 
so I love. I just want to get that out there. I love Kate Blanchett so much. Now that being said, she was nothing great. wrong with that. She was great. I thought she had a great performance as a completely flat throwaway bad guy. Um, I, so I did not particularly care for her uh, for her character as written. She was fantastic. Uh, she does. She did what she could with it. She was very like kind of like greasy and grody and wonderful but um anyway so I, I i had i had issues with the writing but not with her performance if that makes sense um so does that make sense yeah i guess no i get it we bring her I, in at the very beginning of the movie and she's like oh hi congratulations you've met the most powerful being in the universe yeah. with the possible exception of the guy with the infinity stones what's his name thanos thanos and uh and i'm gonna kill you all and then we leave her for like 45 minutes basically and go to Jeff Goldblum land and, and <laughs> which that is the name of that planet. What is, I don't yeah, care. You can call it Scar if you nothing want. Wrong I want to move there. Land. No, there's, I, I guess I'm just saying it felt a little bit um, like, okay, we've built up this ultimate bad guy and then we just leave her. And then when she is on You're screen, right. It's a pretty cookie cutter bad guy exactly. persona um, or bad girl persona. Right. But the uh, bad person. Okay. Yes, bad. There's no need to gender this, Adam. <laughs> Gosh. No, she's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> she's all woman. Uh, no. Whoa, what was I going to say? Oh, and then when she is on screen and she's having like her fight scenes and stuff, there was no weight or gravity to it because at this, because they never made us care. And there, I never felt like there was any possible consequence there's never any weight to the battle scene yeah. so I, it was a marvel movie well <laughs> yes but then you, you like go back and watch iron man and like there is a real emotional weight to the fight scenes in the first iron man mm -hmm. right like mm -hmm. you it this is something marvel is capable of doing and yeah, so, they've just done it 24 times now in a row. Right. Yeah. So it's it's I still doing, it's still it. working the same way. It just doesn't feel as 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 dramatic. Uh, no, nah, I don't buy that. This movie was so different. I, I definitely wanted to go back and hang out with Hulk and Thor more, though, for sure, because it's like, oh yeah, you know, she's gonna something's gonna happen to her at the end. But right, there. Do how much do I really care? Yeah. Some of this, I think, could be suffering from. They had a huge potential with this, and they still do. We didn't see brain matter. Yeah, nobody. Exactly. No brain matter, no death. So there, there's this whole concept for those, and I'm only moderately familiar with the comic book series dealing with the Infinity Stones and Thanos, but Thanos is obsessed with courting death. They even, in the, the, the end of the Avengers, talk about to attack, uh, to attack Earth is to court death, and that's what really drives Thanos, is he's in love with death. And so when I heard that Kate Blanchett was playing the goddess of death, I'm like, now we have a pairing of this great deity type figure, this someone who's on par with Thanos that he's trying to impress that we can kind of build around this. So when she was a step or two lower than that, I was a little disappointed. Yeah. She could still be brought up to that level or whatever. Um, but I think that there's a little bit of, I think they cut the legs out from underneath her a little bit in, in doing that. Yeah. But as a whole, like she was, not the most terrifying villain, but the most efficient at what she did. Certainly. <laughs> yeah. She mowed down some good guys I'll, right quick. Yeah. Uh, I, do, I do like the angle of the hidden history, the mm -hmm. the history that was forgotten, that was painted over, mm -hmm. that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a cool element to that world that they injected there. But so tell us, it, tell us what goes on a little bit there. I mean, they essentially, she was the original uh, firstborn child, right? And so she took over i, I forgot she, what it she was. was she was odin's champion yes and, and they laid waste to these nine realms and took them all over mm -hmm. and it was basically thanks to her and he banished her and then yeah point. and then she says her ambition outgrew odin's and so he banished her and she's been pissed ever since yeah right and uh, well, anyway, Revengers. and so she comes. She comes back to uh, well, not even that it was that her, place. It called? wasn't even that necessarily that it was her ambition. She said it was her ambition, but Odin even said that she grew too powerful for him to control. So, like, where Ryan's saying, like, she might be a step or two below, like Thanos or whatever. Well, Odin was considering her as the ultimate threat, and even Odin himself couldn't control her. Had so. to use his very life force to hold her in place. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, now you've thrown me off. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so she comes in back to Asgard and, and has to take all the paintings off the wall. And underneath 
it's the original story. Yeah. That that paints her in the That's a nice twist, family twist that they threw in there that I kind of wish they spent more time on to be honest now that we're talking yeah. about it. <laughs> well, I, I think it comes back to the fact that they wanted to do two movies in this movie. They wanted to do Ragnarok and they wanted to do Planet Hulk. Like and so the way that they meshed them together, that's why we leave Hella behind for 45 minutes and go do Planet Hulk and then come back. So like I'm trying to think does she and Loki even have a scene together? Like I don't I only at the very either. only at the very end in the battle sequence on the Rainbow yeah. Bridge. So they're fighting in the same room, which I, <laughs> oh, which right. I always don't even like Mario say, hey, Kart. Oh, and <laughs> and when she first oh, at the very releases and yeah, yes, that's the one thing. But like, it's I would have never loved just the two of them. She, I'm kind of interested because I never really felt that they that it was explained out very well. She never makes any attempt really to even like win the brothers over to her side or mm-hmm. anything and be like, come rule yeah, with me. Yeah, it seems like Loki would yeah. be fresh meat for her. She right? basically yeah. just says, kneel and acknowledge me. And when they say no, she's like, all right, well, screw you guys. <laughs> Which in some ways that's like- I'm going to have- That is a really um, evil villain to say, well, yeah, I'll give you one well, shot and then I'm going to kill you. Yeah, well, she's like the ultimate conqueror. Like join me or don't, but I'm going to win. So there you go. I don't know. Does so, anybody else, when you see the Rainbow Bridge, have horrible flashbacks to Mario Kart 64? <laughs> every time Every time you... I watch Thor, I'm like, oh, man, that damn rain- Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> you just know that you're just waiting for Mario or Luigi to, to shoot out past the, uh, the, the end side. of it. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then for all the 11-year-olds in the audience to start letting out curse words that their mothers <laughs> would be just terrified to hear. Uh, yeah. I, I want to talk about cameos. We've already mentioned uh, Matt Damon, who was fake Loki or Foki. Sam O'Neill. Uh, Sam Neil or Sam Neil. Yeah, oh no, my no. gosh! Okay, he's listen. also a New this Zealander. Was, this was I the uh, this was the greatest Jurassic Park fan I've ever met. And I just, just called him Sam O'Neil. Well, it's because I've been watching Peaky Blinders, and ah. he does this horrible Irish accent, <laughs> and so I want to call him O'Neil because he's like the authenticity of my accent is none of your concern. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, man, no. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, so so we've got him. Uh, I I do want to mention before we get to any others. That this is that there was the worst cameo ever in this movie, and I mean worst for the person who had to suffer through it, and that's Zachary Levi. Oh yeah, who plays uh, what's his name, Farfalli or uh, Fandral? Mm-hmm. Fandral. Oh, he yeah. he literally and he's on screen is... for less than two seconds, and his purpose is to get stabbed, and he's done, <laughs> and he's out. I was this is I I only mention this because I'm a big Zachary Levi fan. I think he's compelling on screen. I think he has a lot of charisma, and I think he's pretty talented, um, especially in a comedic role. And so this would have been, you know, a possibly a good movie for him to fit into. But uh, no, get stabbed, get out, get your ten thousand dollars. Also, uh, was that Do not Car- pass was that Carl Urban? Yes, it was it Carl felt, Urban. It felt like a really long cameo, <laughs> <laughs> where they didn't really give him tons to do. What? But he's he is the only character in the movie with an arc. I just so wanted him to him like that. throw down his executioner's axe and turn into Judge Dredd. <laughs> like... I kept waiting for him to like turn around and throw it at Hella, which w- it wouldn't have mattered. We we see very early they make a very clear point that you can't kill her. You watch a spear come through her chest right. and, and just comes right back out, and she's like, "I'm good." I was like, "Oh, okay." So none of the, none of the pointy things are going to work. <laughs> kind of the idea like death can't die. Yeah, maybe if you explode a planet. No brain matter. No that's, brain matter. That's why yeah. I'm... She's out there somewhere. Thanos will pick her up. Exactly. She's <laughs> floating around. Um, and then another one was... Uh, uh, oh, uh, old Benny Cumberbatch shows up. Oh, yeah. That's Doctor right. Strange Doctor Strange for about uh, three minutes of screen time. What, this Ryan, is, you're about to say things. This is another thing I'm wondering if Marvel is going to start doing because the sequence with Doctor Strange, there's a little bit, a bit of it that's new, but there was a whole sequence of it that it was the at the end of... Doctor Strange. It was the post-credit scene in Doctor Strange, and we had the same thing in Civil War. Oh, right, that's right. Where some of the post-credit scenes are starting to be shown in other films, like you're actually seeing an event in another film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And so I'm wondering if they're going to start doing that more going forward with that. To because when I saw him sit down and he did the whole thing with I don't drink tea and the beer thing, I'm like, I've seen this. I kn- this is that cut scene you did at the end. Why why am I watching this? I could have seen that. I already saw it. Yeah, that's don't waste right. my time. Oh. I, you're right. I, I don't think I put that together, but I had seen that before. And I, it, yeah, I don't think I realized that. Yeah, I didn't notice they, the beer thing. But, but it's it. actually a scene from the n- mm-hmm. next movie. Yeah, they did, they did it with Civil War, did I think, really? as well. When so. Sebastian Stan's got his arm in the vice, and he's and um, 
uh, Captain and I wanted to call him Hawkeye, but it's not Hawkeye. It's uh, Falcon. The two of them are kind of talking to him in this warehouse, and he's got his arm trapped in there. That's that's a cut scene. That's a post credit scene from like three movies back, uh, Ant Man or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Ant Man did it with yeah the yeah that that scene you're talking about. So yeah, wow, crazy. Yeah, that's okay. We can very very <laughs> definitively say that the end of the post credit scene of this one will not be in any other film because that was pretty much just saying, "Hey, Jeff Goldblum, here's a few more minutes of screen yeah. time." <laughs> Love the Goldblum. Yeah, uh, he was great. Yeah, he was he was very good. He's uh, he's an actor who has achieved in his career the ability to not have to do anything but be himself. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> he can, but it's just. But he doesn't have. Nobody wants him to. Yeah, so. we just want we want Jeff Goldblum. We'll put another character name on it, but we just want that. Like it's like Christopher Walken, <laughs> same thing. He's exactly himself. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's uh, we we need to move on to Stranger Things. So before we do that, final thoughts on Thor, um, and uh, including whether you recommend it, Adam, go. Yes, go see it. Loved it. Is that a blanket recommendation to yeah, everybody? I loved it. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, <laughs> Kyle. Yeah, I'll echo that. Like I said, it's the most I've laughed in in the movie theater for any movie in a long time, probably since Deadpool. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, its weaknesses don't outweigh how much fun it is. Okay, Ryan. Yep. Yeah, I loved it. it I, I would highly recommend. Uh, if you, let me put it this way. I I know there are people that I've talked to who did not enjoy the, the humor style of Guardians of the Galaxy. You're the ones I would say don't bother. That's, Everyone else, go, go see. If you love Thor 1 and 2, you probably will not love this one. Yeah, when I came home, uh, my it was like 11.30 and uh, my wife was kind of like half asleep. And I came home and she goes, oh, how was the movie? And I said, oh, it was fine. You would have hated it. <laughs> and like, I would say that to my dad as well, who didn't really care for Guardians. Like, yeah, it was a good movie. You can skip it. You can skip it. So uh, I, I think that there is nothing in this film that other than collecting Hulk and Bruce Banner back that plays into the Infinity Stones thing that is apparent from that movie. I, I disagree. True. Mjolnir is gone. And okay. Meow Meow? Yeah, Meow Meow is gone. It's on my desk at work. It's my coffee mug. Um, and Thor now can channel lightning, and I think those are going to play huge roles in if Infinity War. The fact that Thor has essentially become actual Thor and unleashed all of his powers, and he no longer relies on Meow Meow. Now this, and is, we don't I, have Meow Meow. Anymore. I literally think though, in Infinity War, you could have a so much for final thoughts. <laughs> you could have a moment of he walks into Avengers Tower, the new Avengers facility mm-hmm. or whatever, and be like, "Hey, where's your where's your hammer of honor or whatever." Oh, uh, it it broke. Yeah. Now now I <laughs> do this sure instead, they <laughs> and they mm-hmm. explain the whole thing right there. Yeah, yeah. well, sure. and, and this is kind of what the reason that Thor and Hulk weren't in Civil War at all, right? This is what they were doing mm-hmm. during that time. This is all kind of happening together mm-hmm. to build up to the next Avengers movie. <sighs> because you can't have those two in the fight of Civil War because they will kill everyone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's leave it behind. And I guess now. Time to go to the upside down. We'll just look forward to the next 18,000 Marvel movies that are coming out in 2018. Uh, Black okay. Panther's going to be sweet. Oh, gosh. We're done with Marvel. I hope so. I hope and Black Panther's good. <laughs> Sorry to ruin your Black Panther party. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent reference. Nice That's an A plus reference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay, now we need to talk about Stranger Things too. Uh, now, if you have not yet seen it, or if you've not yet reached Stranger Things to completion, uh, then it's okay. We're gonna have you know five or ten minutes of Stranger Things discussion without spoiling anything because although uh, Ryan and me and Kyle have all seen. Stranger Things 2 all the way through. Adam, you have not. No. So, uh, let me ask you this, and I think this will be applicable to some other people as well. Um, did you like Stranger Things 1? And if so, why are you excited for 2? Um, you know, I mean, nostalgia makes a lot of people a lot of money these days, and they are definitely cashing in on that nostalgia ticket. Uh, fortunately, I love nostalgia, and <laughs> the whole Stephen King, Spielberg era of stuff is i was a child of that era so every reference when you see uh will at the beginning of season one walk into the shed you're like et right like it's obviously an ode to this stuff they have visual cues that they're trying to hit um i love that stuff it just kind of gets you giddy and that's why people that's why this show became so big um i've read the pitch deck of the original series and 
this was never supposed to be a second season. So I'm interested to, in that in that way to uh, see how they kind of more turn it into a franchise rather than um, just telling the same story over again right. um, or something like that. Um, but yeah, the, this always probably had franchise potential, potential, but they never really planned on it being a, there being a second season. I don't think. Um, and this is supposed to happen ten years later. Is that right? No, this nope. is one year later. One year. Okay. Yeah. Where did I get ten years? I don't know why. I, don't know. Why I heard that. It's, it's your old um, man, Those kids it's your did not age at all. <laughs> yeah. In ten years. That's what they did I was wondering. Age. I'm like, so they're in high school now. That is an awfully strange thing. Yeah. I suppose. Um, but yeah, yeah no, I'm excited. I, I I love how much it was an homage to those kinds of things that I I love growing up. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited to see what they do and how they handle the material and um, you know what are some of Will's, what happened to Will, how much is that affecting him in his, in his new life? I, I guess not necessarily like, new life, but being back. I can right? tell you right now, not at all. Really? Yeah, it's all <laughs> just completely forgotten. That's not true at all. <laughs> um, no, I, when I saw season one, uh, was that just last year? Mm-hmm. Yep. Good Lord, this was a long year. Um, when I saw season one, I thought this was as close as I can think of to tv perfection uh just okay not that there were no complaints to be had but it was really 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 good and i when i heard they announced season two i thought oh crap they're going to continue the story i really wish that they had done an anthology Mm -hmm. style uh, kind of like what's that horror american horror story yeah Mm -hmm. they should have done something like Mm -hmm. that you can keep all the actors uh, but give me new characters, new places, new stories. Uh, but, you know, maybe you tie them all together with like secret government labs and experiments. And that's your kind of unifying thread. That'd be fine. Uh, but already I thought when coming into season two, I thought the premise was flawed because there was no way they were going to make this story of Will and Co. Mm-hmm. any better. Right. But that's that's just kind of what I thought going in. What Did you guys have any thoughts going into the, well, to me, the show let me ask you since i haven't seen it okay. um from an overarching did they did they what did they do what you just said accomplish that <sighs> <laughs> just uh, you know it, yes and no yeah they're i mean they're they well, certainly expanded the story uh they they well they, they it's it is speaking of classic 70s and 80s nostalgia stuff this is the classic formula for a sequel same thing, bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Same thing. Bigger. I think that's fair. And and so and it's and it's almost not like uh, not like every beat is the same, but you can almost point to anything in season two and say, "Oh, here's the season one analog," but this one's bigger. Mm-hmm. It, does that make sense? No, it makes perfect right. sense. I'm thinking so, of a couple of really specific. I need to go examples back and because there's that. only one that yeah. I think yeah. wouldn't fit with that. But. Maybe, and I'm not saying it's a perfect thing but anyway well i apologize if i haven't because i haven't seen it i'm in this weird space where i've seen the first season my kids wanted to watch the new one but every time we watch one they get super scared (laughs) and they don't know if they want to keep watching it but i but i don't want to start the second season without them because it's kind of a family show that we've been watching together but it is a little scary and it's a little on edge especially for uh you know, my daughter's nine years old and she's my youngest. So um, she's kind of there, but she likes it, but she gets scared pretty easy. So it's one of those where I'm like, oh, I really want to see this. Yeah. But come on, guys. As far as the. It's like your wife the... falling asleep in the middle of. You're like, hey, I've been waiting like months to show you this movie. <laughs> and then she and then doesn't she just even see the, the end. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, screw this. Um, now, what, what would you guys say though, for the horror aspect? I would say that it's actually. It, it kind of plays off your statement earlier. It's less horror, but it's larger scale mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. you're dealing with. I didn't have nearly as many moments of like either jump scares or terror or, or being truly terrified of something. Yeah. But it's more about the, the story. The scale at which things are happening is much larger. Mm-hmm. And so the, yeah. the stakes just feel that a little bit higher there. Sure. And, and, I would, the, I and the scenes that are really supposed to be suspenseful are pretty suspenseful. Um, but there are not as many. There's not as many as the first season. Well, yeah. the su- suspense was the name of the game in season one, mm-hmm. and when you had the Demogorgon, and uh, and you barely saw anything of the Demogorgon until the very last scene of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Or the show. Well, let's be honest, it's an eight-hour movie. Um, yeah. 
and uh and, and that's part of the horror of the first season mm-hmm. and there is none of that in this there there's no monster suspense hmm. you know what i mean right interesting so you see, i mean because they they reveal the big baddie in the trailer stuff anyway you mm-hmm. see that you just want to know like after seeing that i want to know what is it you know i kind of figure if they're going to scale it up is this like the creature that controls the demigorgons you know or, you know what's what is this creature and uh, I I never really yeah there there's no hiding that after the fact after they put it on the trailer and they don't bother really trying to prevent you from doing from being aware of it right um well uh, should we should we get into a spoilerific discussion at this point because I feel like we're dancing really really yeah. close to some specific <laughs> I know you guys two. are itching I can ah! tell <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's what what we're going to do because Adam hasn't seen it and because you care about spoilers yes. and some people don't and like Kyle doesn't yeah. care about spoilers I think that's mostly just just it depends on the weird and wrong like mostly I don't care if yeah. I have a choice I'd probably like yeah. rather not know <laughs> so we're so we're going to excuse adam and yes. by excuse i mean i'm going to kick him out of my house uh so that we can talk about uh spoilerific things all right perfect so thanks adam, for having me thanks for coming once again everybody go check out a damn movie podcast uh and uh and listen to adam pontificate about uh yeah, it gets really geeky you know uh uh i'd say little... especially listening in, in a, a few months it'll be um What's that uh, thing we have coming up in February? Um, I don't know. In Park City? <laughs> Valentine's Day? Oh, Sunday. Sundance. <laughs> yes, Black no, Panther. I... I... <laughs> uh, no, especially because I, I know you're a huge Sundance Yes, geek. I've been going for years. Um, so if and, anybody's... And the uh... podcast allows me to go for free, and so I, and I don't necessarily care about seeing celebrities, so I'm there. I see about 20, 30 movies every year um, and crank through quite a bit. So. Yeah. Um, love doing that. We always recap that on the show as well. There you go. So, so if you're an indie movie freak, you've got to uh, subscribe to a damn movie podcast. All right, Adam, yeah. thanks very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Good and, luck. And uh, we'll see you next time you come on. All right, later. So anyway, now that Adam's gone, let's have fun uh, and talk about Stranger Things in all of its spoilerific glory. So tell me what you guys, uh, what was your favorite thing about this season? Um, and then I will follow up with, actually, maybe I'll start with mine so you can think about it for a second. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say one of my favorite things about this season was Steve. Uh, Steve was great. Steve had a very redeeming moment in the last three or so episodes of the first season. And they kind of carried that through and made it once again, they made it bigger and better in season two. Right. So Steve was a, uh, he's a guy who's always tempted to be a giant douche. Uh, but he ends up making the right decision or being a good person in spite of his, uh, maybe his tendencies, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because, so you, you know Billy in this season. The, the new Steve. Yeah, he's the, I, I looked at him and I'm like, I recognize you from somewhere and I realized he's the Red Power Ranger. Ranger. Yeah, he's yeah. the Red Rangers. Power Ranger. But um, I was watching the Beyond Stranger Things, you know, because every franchise series now has the talk after show. Thanks, Talking Dead. Yeah. <sighs> I was watching that and they talked about how Billy, Steve was supposed to be Billy. Like that's, he was supposed to be the human antagonist of the series. Right. But as they developed the season one story, he moved out of that and became a more likable, a more enjoyable character. And so they changed it and rewrote his character to be that. Right. Um, So they needed to reintroduce a human antagonist so we get Billy. And so in this one, it was nice to see Steve who kind of gets shafted at the beginning you know, when she calls him out and says, I, I don't love you anymore. And, right. And then he becomes the best, worst babysitter ever, basically, for the rest <laughs> right. of the season, the rest of the series. So I, I really liked Steve in this one. Um, but I kind of thought, I'm like, I wasn't really sure what his purpose was. Why is he the one who gets stuck with these kids? Yeah, I think he's, I think it's a kind of a fan favorite type thing. And, mm-hmm. and they say, well, you know, it, we can't just get rid of him because it's about the people in this town. And mm-hmm. he was a big part of the original story, so he's got to be around, even if they don't mm-hmm. give him, quote-unquote, a ton to do. But one thing I did like about him and Nancy was uh, was there's that pseudo-breakup scene, and then they end up really, they, they do break up. Um, but I've always liked when um, it, some romance is being told, there's some love triangle, and girl is with guy A, but she's supposed to be with guy B. And 
I love it when guy A isn't a douche, and that's like, and that makes it the easy way out. Right? You're talking the Hallmark Channel. Hallmark formula. Channel, yeah. So I I remember the first time I ever noticed this was years and years ago when my wife was watching. Um, uh, is it you've got mail with Gre- when Greg Kinnear's character? He's a perfectly lovely man. And and yet uh, Meg Ryan wants to be with Tom Hanks, you know, because they're writer for each other, right? Mm-hmm. And so Greg Kinnear's character is perfectly fine, uh, but she ends up going with with Tom Hanks. Uh, the the one female in the back of the room here is nodding along with my "You Got Mail" reference. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it was kind of the same thing here, where it's like, no, Steve, you didn't actually do anything wrong uh, by Nancy. You just you're just not the right one for her. So I, I appreciated that they didn't fall into the trap of like having him hit her or something and, and like, mm-hmm. well, we got to break them up. So he's got to do something just egregious. Right. Right. And so anyway, I appreciated that about his character. I like that. He called her out on it too. Yeah. And he was, cause she, the, her whole like drunken breakup where like everything is full or whatever. And he's just like, no, you are. Like yeah. in that alley scene where they actually do break up, he's like, yeah. "This is what you told me," but really comes down to the like, you're the one that doesn't care about this. So, peace, right? You or know. the one who's lying to yourself? About yeah, what lying it is. to yourself about it. Yeah. Um. So another fan favorite character this season, and I heard somebody whisper it five minutes ago. Bob. Bob. Justice for Samwise. <laughs> so so yes. Uh, what what's his name? Uh, Rudy Samwise. Sean Astin. Sean, Sean Astin is back up to his Samwise weight uh, for his turn as Bob. Uh, whatever his last name is in this movie. Do we? He does have a last name. I just yeah. can't remember what it was. I, I think I'll it's an alliteration it too. It's like Bob Bedenford or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, did you guys like Bob? He was fine. I did not at first. But he grew on me like the fungus that he is. And <laughs> I he like... does give the single worst advice ever given in a TV program. Oh, and... well, Ye- with, out of context, though, <laughs> like it's sure. it's sure. he's well-meaning and it was pretty it's pretty decent advice when he doesn't have any idea what Will's dealing with. So it's like yeah. a little unfair to be like, yeah, he... it was bad advice because he thinks he's yeah. having nightmares. Yeah. And so if it were nightmares, sure, Great it's advice. fine. I, I liked how they handled Bob. I don't really care about Bob one way or the other. It's just kind of like, oh, he's there. But I liked how they handled it, that they didn't, you know, he goes, you know, in true Jurassic Park fashion, go turn the lights back on. Oh, you know, <laughs> I said that while we were watching it. I was yes. like, he, he even turned his back on the generator. I'm like, where's the arm? Where's the arm? I was waiting for a velociraptor to jump out and get him. But, <laughs> but, uh. Well, I like that they, you know, he's, he goes down and he turns all the lights back on and he comes back and he has that intense scene where he's trying to stay away from the Demogorgon and he, and he basically escapes because he gets to the exit. And I'm glad that they didn't fall into the trap of having him turn around and like run head on to like distract the Demogorgon so that everybody else could escape right. it, you know, cause I, that could have really easily ruined it for me where it was like, Oh, Bob's this hero. And he already was. Being the hero, going and and turning the lights. But he was back a, on. a believable hero. Yeah, be- very believable, and I liked that they kept it as he was terrified. He almost got out, and then just didn't quite make it. Rather than, you know, I'm gonna have this valiant charge at the end to yeah, like yeah. save everybody. So. And that was the one thing about his his death scene that I it hurt so bad. Like I I was I was feeling it because I, I really wanted Bob to make it out. Mm-hmm. I think, and I get it. Most was like, we all wanted Bob to make it out of there. But you knew, like, just based on everything you've ever seen in cinema, like, he's got to die. He's going to die. And they kept giving you just the hint that he might actually make it. <laughs> you know, the the broom falls and it turns back and you're like, oh, no, here it comes. But then he gets away and you're like, oh, great. And then he goes a little bit further and then he stops. I'm like, why did you stop? And he gets attacked and then he's the claws into the side, but he's still alive. And I kept like, someone grab him, pull him out. You can still save this like, guy. Oh, oh no, they just ate his spleen. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think he's, he's gone. Oh, there's his brain matter. Okay. Yeah. And then they, um, and then they just rub it in by what you watch all the four of the demi dogs just devouring his body. Yeah. I'm like, why, why would you rub that in? So, uh, so there's, there's plenty of like about season two, but, uh, me being me, I have things to complain about. There's plenty to complain uh, about. A lot, actually. A lot to complain about. Uh, yeah, okay, so maybe I'll just start in with that. Uh, Barb fan service. 
screw you guys, Duffer Brothers or whoever did this. Mm. I did not appreciate this at all. Um, where in the first couple of episodes, they they basically send the message, we hear you, hashtaggers of the world. Uh, so all those people who, you, what was it? Justice, uh, justice for, for Barb. Barb now it's Justice for Bob. Oh, great. <laughs> so anyway, um, so there are all these complaints, and I, I guess I kind of understood them, the complaints from season one, but at the same time, I was like, you guys, this the story was not about Barb. The story was about these other people. Barb was was there as a point in Nancy's character arc and as a snack for the Demogorgon. That That is her entire purpose, and so when she's gone, she's gone, and we don't have to sit there and wring our hands. Uh, the, the story is about... Um, well, what's his name's mom? You know the Will's mom about Will's mom and and all the other characters around Will searching for Will. So anyway, I I I've always hated that the whole justice for Barb thing. I thought was really stupid. Uh, and then in this, it was like they spent a ton of screen time just saying like, "Oh, we get it." No, yeah, we we really didn't give Barb the treatment she deserved last season. So we're gonna spend all this time. Um, you know, remedying that. And I was like, character. anyway, so, and I've always just been really, really uh, uncomfortable with the idea of art um, being run as a democracy that it just, it just infuriates me. Art mm-hmm. is not a democracy. Screw that. There's a, there's a director for a reason because this is a freaking dictatorship or at least it well, should be. I think it goes to a little bit of Adam's point in the, you know, the original pitch for this was a single season right and it was supposed to end after season one and so i feel like they're kind of just grabbing for new stories and and things to to go with and this is one that had a lot of steam behind it so it's kind of an easy like i don't want to say cop out but i don't know maybe it's an easy story to to grab onto and say oh we can do basically an episode's worth of screen time or more on this and that's pretty easy to flesh out. Yeah. And it, it just, it would be nice if they had had more original stories to go with instead of that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I agree, obviously, because mm-hmm. it was my point. Uh, okay. So, Ryan, you have things that are about to come out of your mouth. I can sense it. Well, so I'm, I'm partially on board with it. I don't, I'm not a fan of, the because the fans are screaming for it or whatever, right? But there, it is one of the larger plot holes of season one. Why is it a plot hole? Why? Because we no one ever shows, no one ever responds about her death, like Will's that disappearance see, or whatever that we see. Why like, can't it be happening off camera? Her parents I need are freaking to go, out, and they are. You but know, it, it's something that could have very, and they could have done it in this season too. They gave more than they needed to, but. It could have been very easily remedied by simply her body appears or something. It's brought back from there just to give the family the closure. And then it's it's done. Like, it's a point that is never resolved. No one... Like, Maybe they can do some exposition at Barb's funeral or something like that. I wonder whatever. if it's a case but, of the fans not not realizing the situation that this story is being told in. Like, so we're talking about a story back in the 80s where there wasn't nearly as much technology as we have now. And we're all used to, like, if somebody goes missing... We can hunt them down fairly quickly in, you know, in comparison to what they did in the 80s. Because in season one, they find Barb's car, like, wasn't it at like a... There's enough of an investigation into her disappearance that it's an empty, it's an open-ended question. uh Uh-huh. But it would, but it could have easily been explained. And what I think they did in season one was say, like, it looks like she ran away. Right? Because wasn't her car found at like a bus station oh, or right. something like that? Okay. And and in the 80s, that would be, it's still an open case, a missing persons case, but that would be enough to explain what happened to her character right. from a, the town is looking for her kind of thing. Oh, mm-hmm. she's that girl that ran away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm I'm wondering if like the whole Justice for Barb movement, people aren't taking into account that one, the town doesn't understand the larger happenings and goings on that we do as an audience and, and two it. yeah and two this was you know 30 years in the past where they didn't have the capabilities that we have now to actually solve these kinds of missing persons cases they didn't know how to use machines the other it was the 80s the other part about the barb story that i find useful and why i'm okay with it is it is the catalyst that shuts down the lab yeah 
Barb. Yeah, because that they story, take that because to the conspiracy guy, and yeah, that's how you shut down that lab. Ugh. You could potentially find another way to do that. You could destroy the lab. Yeah, that's but, what I was going to say. They might as well just blown it up at the end. But in order to keep that available, to keep the lab available, to keep potential things going through there, yeah. you can't destroy it, which they kind of did. But uh, so anyway, let's let's move on from Barb. I uh, I, I seem to have opened up my I, own little yeah. can of worms. I here. don't. I don't hate Barb as the whole Barb idea as Never much mind. as. Never mind. Let's talk about Barb. No, as much as I. It's a segue. So shut oh, your mouth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Se- segue away. I don't hate the Barb story nearly as much as I hate episode seven. Thank yes. you. And the uselessness of episode seven and that entire weird pseudo Dark Phoenix story arc that was, I was like. I was. Um, I don't know. I was talking to Chris Hollyfield from the I Am Salt Lake podcast. And he asked, why does everybody hate episode seven? I think he had just watched it and, mm-hmm. and he had heard all the vitriol and he says, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Why does everybody hate episode seven? And I said, listen, when I was watching episode seven, I thought to myself, meh, whatever. It was fine. It, it wasn't, I missed the aesthetic of the, the Hawkins stuff. Um, and so I, I didn't really appreciate that they were taking me away from all that, but whatever. It was fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was only after I got to the end of, the season mm-hmm. that I realized that this had served no purpose. Like zero purpose. Well, it, strength, it, it was, it, it was it the strengthening one, 11. It was the one purpose. Yes. And it could have been accomplished just as easily I, back in, in one Hawkins. scene and in th- Hawkins. And I think, yeah. I think to your point in our Thor discussion where it was like, well, we can explain Thor's hammer being gone and his lightning really easily in the next thing. Mm-hmm. I think this is the same type of thing. We did not need a full episode of, you know, eleven going on a field trip and doing all this weird stuff. We could have easily. She, it could have been a five-minute scene where she goes and she talks to Mama in her little mind conversation thing. That's the catalyst for her to unlock her greater power and the anger or whatever. And then she goes back to Hawkins. There was no reason to go into the city and to talk to Eight and the whole stereotype '80s punk gang thing. <laughs> What, Anyways. what I really wanted to actually have happen, um, and I get that it's formulaic and kind of predictable, but I wanted, um, not Will, Mike. Mike. I wanted Mike to get into a like to major trouble, like he's being pulled into the rift or something, and so and it's her caring for him that actually yeah. sparks it. So it's not mm-hmm. all the hatred and all the anger and everything there that powers her. It's her caring for Mike enough opens her up to be able to mm-hmm. seal the rift yeah, and she yeah. just slams it I, shut. I could not possibly agree more and I was going to bring that up too. The idea that um, it's like, feel your anger. Like that is, she goes to the dark side and now she's super powerful, well, right? And 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 this is what makes her the most powerful thing. And it's not, like we mentioned, I think a couple episodes ago, it's not... Uh, it, it's not a useless or horrible cliche that love conquers all. And mm-hmm. there's a reason that this is a, uh, a part of most of the greatest stories ever told, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But see, I think that Eleven is more of a Dark Phoenix character. I mean, they reference it in the season one. Like, I think it's all the way back in like episode one or episode two of season one. And they have like a really small throwaway reference of Will or I can't remember which of the boys makes a bet with the other boy. And they say, you know, I want to win. You know, I want your x-men copy number 154 or whatever the i can't remember what the actual copy is but i looked it up and it was the dark phoenix saga Mm -hmm. and so they're kind of giving you that easter egg of like we're telling this story and i think that 11 story arc is supposed to be very much of a dark phoenix arc i don't know what that means which Uh, which is fine i'm i'm still okay with her going dark and and doing that i would like the greater power to be derived from that which they could Mm -hmm. potentially do in three because They've left themselves open because, of course, when money's coming in, you don't close the door, <laughs> even though it might be worth closing. Um, they can they can swing that back around, but I, I really felt like a, I really feel like Eleven was just this secondary thought through most of this series, mm-hmm. and it was all right. We need to bring her back in. We need to connect her again, but she needs to be more powerful. And so we're gonna do this episode. That's an we're gonna do this thing that's totally different. That's an homage to a very uh, to a moon eighties movie. Um, Gosh, and I can't remember the name of it. It's Outsiders. I think, yeah, something like that. Maybe. Um, where it's it's punk. I mean, even the way that the people looked, it's it's right. very much this is what we were doing. Um, but I, I don't have a problem with that story. I 
I have a problem with its placement. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's that's my mm-hmm. problem with it. It just felt like a very different show. So like the placement was probably the biggest issue there, but even it felt like we were in like midway through season three and we just got dropped into a completely different TV show. Yep. Well, this was frustrating to me. Episode one, opening segment, we're following that crew. Right. And so we're saying, oh, there's another one out there. Eight. Great. That this is going to, you know, I'll wait till episode four or five and we're going to see. No, it's literally just so in seven it can be used again. What an awful potential spinoff. Like, I was like, why? Because, yeah, it was a great it was a great opener. Why not just I mean, why not take that segment? And if you're going to do that, reveal in the mother scene that there's another girl out there. Her name is eight. And then cut to that sequence of them robbing the or doing whatever and her doing whatever. And then Eleven goes and finds him. Right. Why do it at the beginning of the series to tease that it's there and then not pay it off until the almost penultimate episode? And by payoff, we mean useless episode. Yes. Uh, yeah. I've got a shiny $5 Monopoly bin dollar for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we're, we're well over an hour now. We should cut and run. Uh, my, my parting complaint for season two of Stranger Things is uh, that a thousand percent the Billy seduction of Mrs. Wheeler should have happened earlier and uh, and more thoroughly. Uh, that I, I was so happy with that scene. I thought it was the funniest thing. I it was completely appropriate to if it had happened earlier. Um, and I I wish that that had been kind of a just a a, a little drop here and there as a, a little arc that they can come back to. Uh, as a little funny thing. I was uh, waiting for them to do the camera shot under the leg from the graduate. Oh, right. <laughs> do that with him. Uh, anyway, so final thoughts. Uh, try to keep it to 30 seconds. Kyle, mm-hmm. what do you think? Season two. Overall, I like it. You could probably take episode seven out and it wouldn't change a thing. And in fact, it might it might actually improve the story. Yep. Um, I am hesitant about season three because I don't really know what you do from here without doing more of what was in episode seven, which wasn't my jam. So there you go. All right. Ryan? Uh, I will call this season a success with that one error, with that one glaring error of episode seven. Um, and I think that they that they ultimately did manage to capture a lot of what made season one successful and made it enjoyable to watch. I, I watched the whole season in one binge, um, stayed up all night and finished out there because... I wanted to finish it. And that was one mm-hmm. of the big things about Stranger Things before I watched the first one was people saying, just be right. You're going to want to watch the next one. Right. And so when I got into this, when I said, okay, is that going to be the case? Or am I going to finish an episode and be like, okay, I can pause here and I'm done. And I always felt like I was being driven forward until seven. And yeah. in seven, I wanted to go to the next episode so I could erase what I just finished. <laughs> so. Same effect, different. Uh, yeah. 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 I agree. I agree with that. And uh, I, I, I'm going to try to fit my final thoughts into 30 seconds because I just realized there was a huge complaint that I forgot about. I agree with your assessment, Ryan. I I wanted to watch to the very end and it, I didn't realize until the very end that I was very dissatisfied um, with the ending, and but I was compelled to watch to that end. And I realized at the very end, the reason I was kind of dissatisfied was that this season lacked any sort of a decent antagonist. Um, there was no antagonist here. You could argue the government, but then Paul Reiser's character was actually a pretty decent dude just trying to do the right thing by both his employer and these kids, right? Uh, the Then there's the shadow monster. Well, who's the shadow monster? What's its motivation? What's it trying to do? How is it trying to do that? Where did it come from? Where is it going? Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, I was going to say that's in episode three of the Mind Flayer. I think it's three or four of the Mind Flayer when they explain all that. Not really. Not really. Just that he wants to eat everything. Yeah, he wants to eat everything. Or take and over everything like, or whatever. Anyway, and, and it's it's a dissatisfying, or it's an unsatisfying uh, trait in a villain in the MCU, and it's the same thing here. Like We talk about that all the time, right? Like, oh, destroy the universe. Why? You're in the universe. Shut up. You know, take it over maybe. But anyway, so that was kind of my thing. Uh, ultimately, it was it was good. I really liked it. I would recommend people watch it, but it was not nearly as good as season one. That was not 30 seconds, even close. Sorry. My bad. Uh, Okay. Are you guys, uh, do you need to rebut that or should we go? 
I'll let it. No, I'll let it that's stand. fine. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go then. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. It's uh, appreciate you hanging around. Go to Patreon.com/slash/Legendarium to support the show, and go to GoFundMe to support the studio, and go to the Legendarium.reddit.com to join the conversation on this episode and yell at us there. And don't forget, uh, you can go check out Adam, who left the episode early. You can see uh, him or hear him at A Damn Movie Podcast. Um, All right. I think that's it. So we'll see you all next week, probably for Oathbringer. Um, I don't know exactly when we're going to record and release this. There's going to be some juggling. So if you need the announcement, uh, go hang out with us on Reddit uh, and on Facebook so that we can let you know. But there's kind of... uh, Oathbringer is being released in about a week or a week and a half and so we need to record our spoiler free episode so you can enjoy that at that time and, and that's one... the real reason towers of midnight hasn't come out yet exactly <laughs> exactly we the real reason is because i haven't finished it because i'm reading oathbringer because that thing is a thousand two hundred and fifty pages i always yeah. want to call it oath and bringer like oak and shield okay so <laughs> we will we will talk to you guys all later thanks for listening see ya <laughs>